Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good afternoon and welcome to, a good morning I should say, welcome to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week we're talking all things merchants and all things payments with a very exciting startup in the region, Spoonie. We're joined by the founder, Rami Asa, uh, and CEO. The company was set up in 2017. It actually started out as chat commerce venture, enabling payments through WhatsApp, which is something really innovative and we want to talk about that as well. Uh, they're on a mission to help provide access to digital commerce tools, ultimately supporting uh, merchants to start run and grow their own businesses, which is a really good mission. The company empowers small businesses to get paid faster, uh, and I'm sure they will want to get paid faster. Uh, whether they're, you know, they could be freelancers, they could be Instagram sellers, anyone doing shopping or commerce in the real world or digital world, uh, they can leverage Spoonie to help them. Uh, Rami and his team have raised over $5 million uh, to fund the expansion. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about how that journey started, the impact of Zbuni on their small business merchants, and what's in store uh, in growth across the MENA region. So welcome, Rami. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for coming. Uh, so yeah, uh, I've been familiar with Zbuni for about a year now. Uh, can you tell us how it all started and how you got going? Yeah, so uh, as you said, in 2017, we uh, we launched the company and it was built around the premise that uh, small businesses today uh, who were eager to go online were facing all kinds of challenges and uh, challenges in different forms. Um, the first one and the biggest one probably is uh, getting payments in terms of accepting Visa, MasterCard and card payments. and the solution we provide uh, allows businesses to get onboarded very quickly and start accepting card payments very quickly. And we had started that back in 2017 before it was popular to kind of go cashless and contactless. So uh, there's a few challenges that are present in the, in the market today and the way things have been set up present obstacles to small business. And so we really focus on reducing that friction and making it easier for a small business. When it comes to the payment side, um, the way it works traditionally is a, a business owner would need to get something called a merchant ID. Okay. And to get a merchant ID, you go to a payment gateway or you go to an acquiring bank and they say, okay, great. Fill out this application form, please. And it's a long, arduous process mm. and they want to know do you have two years uh, audited financials who are your vendors who are your suppliers who are your customers we need to see your t's and c's we need to see you know a whole a to z mm. that kyc process is very heavy duty mm. and of course it is because the banks need to know who you are before they can flip you on to accept payments and it, the funny thing is it's the same process for everybody so if you are a large enterprise or a luxury retail group, for example, <clears throat> that's your process. And if you started your business two weeks ago, that's also your process. So it's a bit overwhelming. And once you get, if you get a merchant ID, 
right? Which is essentially just an identifier to say these transactions, this business is the beneficiary of them. Mm. If you get them, if you're lucky enough to get a merchant ID, you then say, okay, what do I do with this? And because on its own, it doesn't do anything. You actually have to connect it to something. So you have to get your e-commerce software. You might need invoicing software. You might need different solutions. Oh, you better get familiar with Magento or Shopify or the whole slew of things that are being introduced. And you need to know software and you need to have a web developer and you need to connect that to your card software and et cetera, et cetera. That's where we saw a big opportunity. Uh, so the disruption we've introduced is essentially through what we call mer merchant aggregation. Mm. So we go deal with the banks, we interface with them, we get merchant IDs according to our marketplace uh, category. And then we allow small businesses to make use of said merchant ID in a safe uh, and secure way. And we do our own KYC procedures to onboard the businesses, and we can do that at a faster velocity, let's say, than a traditional bank can. And we combine this uh, merchant ID and this ability to accept payments with the software that they need. Mm. So it's a true one-stop shop. Okay. If you're a business owner, you can come to Zboni, you sign up, and you're up and running in the next 10 minutes. Okay. So that's a revolutionary uh, you know, value proposition for mm. the market. Yeah. So that, that's the intro. Well, thank you for explaining it, because some of that's very technical, especially on the payment side. Uh, on the Just clarifying the speeds, why is the due diligence, why does it take so long? Is this regulatory or is this uh, just legacy of sort of bricks and mortar, uh, old business norms and ways of doing business? Yeah, fair question. I mean, I think the way that banking works, period, is it's not really they're not really in the game of risk or taking risk by definition a bank is just supposed to make profit and yeah. move on so they're trying to always mitigate risk and when smes or new businesses come into the scene we don't really know they don't have a track record for us to say we can associate with this mm. right so from a bank if you're in a bank's shoes you're thinking that just presents risk Yes, there could be upside in supporting business, more businesses, mm. but there's also more risk. What mm. about the risk? Mm. And they're kind of levered to this risk mitigation versus the, the upside opportunity. And so it's not necessarily in a bank's interest to onboard as many merchants as possible. But equally, the payment providers, the ones that you mentioned, they also take a long time. Uh, what would we call them? You could say a payment gateway. A payment gateway, yes. They sorry, they take a long time as well. Uh, why is that? Why does it take so long? Okay, so let, let me let's demystify this a bit. Yeah. So you have in the ecosystem for payments, you have regulators, you have Visa, Mastercard, you have etc. And then on, in order to accept payments, you go to what's called an acquiring bank, mm. who will effectively honor your transactions and settle into your account as a merchant. Okay. So I'll give you an example. You know, if you go to Starbucks and you tap your card, the money that's being uh, debited from your account, that's your issuing bank, hmm. right? They're debiting your account. And Starbucks has an acquiring bank, which is crediting its account hmm. at that moment. Yeah. And so the money hasn't really moved from your card to Starbucks's bank but effectively your issuer has agreed to 
debit this amount and their acquirer has agreed to credit that amount and they'll settle amongst themselves later. Yeah. That's how transactions work. Yeah. Right. Card transactions. Yeah. So if you want to start accepting payments, you need an acquiring bank relationship. And there's not that many acquiring banks out there. There's probably five or six in the UAE, for example. All the payment gateways, what they do is on behest of the acquiring banks, they take your application, they get to know you, they effectively do the business development portion of the acquiring bank's job, mm. and then they connect you with an acquiring bank who can facilitate the merchant ID. Mm. Okay. Okay. So the reason that it takes so long is because that application and the approval of it mm. still end up on the bank's desk to get the stamp on it to yeah. green light this. So you, you, yeah. the payment gateways can only move as fast as those banks would allow. Yeah. So, exactly yeah. i get it and you know we're a media business but we've been through some of that and we needed to have new accounts new bank accounts just for that acquiring which i now understand the terms uh, on the payment gateway side but new entrants have come to the market um, and they say you don't need a bank account and there's some global ones and you know uh are they still called payment gateways and does spoonie operate like that and how can you skip out the uh the having the acquiring bank piece and the merchant ID on that oh, side. That's a big question you're asking because that's you know fintech that's the secret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean fintech is is moving so quickly okay. and there's a lot of velocity and there's a lot of challenges to the traditional infrastructure that are taking place. Yeah. Uh we can talk about the future, but I think looking at the present where we are most consumers today have a Visa MasterCard in their pocket. Yeah. And they want to be able to use that and they expect to be able to use that anywhere they shop. And so there's a, a gap in the market for businesses who are not able to provide that to their customers. So that's the gap we, we think we're filling today. And that could look different in a few years from now, mm. right? Based on how the market is moving. But that's the consumer merchant experience today. So you, so exactly. So what Spoonie is doing is, if I'm purchasing something with uh, Visa or Mastercard, debit or credit, I will be able to do it via Spoonie's merchants setup, the gateway. Uh, how do you facilitate that? Uh, in line with the the story you just told, in terms of uh, the acquiring bank, how do you how do you make it faster to set up, and how do you make the payments? Uh, Go through. Sure. So Zbuni, it's not a payment gateway. Mm. It's a marketplace. And a marketplace is, is what it sounds like. It's a lot of sellers or suppliers using one platform to sell their goods or services. Interesting. So this dynamic or the mechanics I just described to you is the same as, you know, an Amazon or a noon. Mm. So you as a consumer, when you shop and you're buying, you know, a, a table, off of Amazon, it may be from a certain supplier or a third-party seller, but effectively you are buying from Amazon and on your billing descriptor, you paid Amazon. Mm. Similarly, Spoonie acts as a marketplace. Mm. So we become the merchant of record uh, on behalf of each transaction. Mm. And every participant as a merchant who joins Spoonie is given the ability to get that done for them. So it's more of a managed transaction or a managed payment. Mm. And then it's between us and the merchant to then manage a reconciliation and a settlement to them mm. in a timely manner. Mm. 
So that's how we that's how we operate. Amazing. Thank you for explaining that. And it's a very technical stuff going on in the background there as well. But so uh, the onboarding process is them setting up as a merchant and then for them to put their items on Zbuni, is that something that they do that there's a back end for that? Or do you have with that as well? Yeah. So I, I'm glad we got the boring stuff, <laughs> the technical stuff. <laughs> the, about the exciting yeah, stuff, the exciting yeah. stuff is actually uh, more on the on the front end. So, you know, so much business today has moved to new channels. And the idea of, you know, I need to set up a brick and mortar store and I'm going to have my, you know, register at the front and my customer is going to come pay there. Uh, you know, you can't rely on that alone anymore. You also can't rely on, oh, I'm going to set up an e-commerce website and it's just going to magically drive orders. And the reality is that so much business today is driven through social engagement between buyers and sellers. And they're talking to, they're meeting each other on Instagram, on Snapchat, on TikTok, on Facebook. They're talking through WhatsApp. This is the new normal, mm, sure. you know, especially in emerging markets like the Gulf, especially is you're talking about WhatsApp penetration of, you know, 93, 94% of mobile devices have WhatsApp, smartphones have WhatsApp running on it. So that's the new B2C, if you will. And business is being done on that channel, on that medium, it's being used. And it's probably being misused to some extent because it wasn't designed for business per se. Mm. But what we provide is a mobile app that sits on the merchant's phone. Anytime they want to conduct a sale or a transaction or sell through any of these channels that they're using today, it's as simple as creating an order uh, and sending a, a checkout link to the customer. Mm. So that's essentially what, what you alluded to earlier as our, you know, how we started in terms yeah. of this chat based commerce thing. Yeah. In addition to that, we give each merchant the ability to create an e-store, mm. which allows them to upload a catalog create a catalog of their products. That catalog is shareable. It's viewable anytime. And you can have your customers check out. But it's basically way. their store. Yeah. Right. It's their store yeah. hosted within our yeah, exactly. marketplace universe. Okay. And um, all of this is done through mobile. Mm. In fact, we're mo mobile only. Mm. So, wow. ah, okay. Yeah. So um, we think that's a super important, uh, you know, attribute, mm. right? Because business is done not in specific hours anymore it's done anytime anywhere and so you need to be mobile yeah it's amazing i think you know many people will have questions at different industries and sectors and i'm sure your merchants cover many different industries so uh rather than asking specific questions of what it would look like if i've got a direct-to-consumer business or i've got a food delivery business or i've got a, a gym membership or online classes business uh, because this can apply to everything, but how do you advise people uh, to to navigate the other options that are out there? If if I don't have the coder and if I don't have uh, all the other websites to be able to build an online store, uh, uh, this makes sense. Uh, but should they be having this plus other things as well? Or how do people in this day and age kind of strategize for for that sort of payment gateway? Um, and all the options that are out there? Yeah, good question. Um, it's almost still a bit of a luxury, you could say, in our world to go set up in, on, online. Mm. Whereas if you look at a market like the US, 
it's become more like a right, right? Like I have the right to sell online and I have tools that were designed to make that as easy as possible for me. Okay. And so with Zbuni, we've tried to allow the same type of dynamic here. Mm. So you don't have excuses anymore. Should I be selling online? Yes, you have to be selling online. And so what does selling online mean? It means that you may have an e-commerce experience, but you also need to, like I said, cater to your customers over whatever channel they want to engage with you over. Yeah. So if they want to call you and that's how that transaction sure. will, will start, you need a way to consummate that transaction. You also need a way through messaging or on your Instagram page. Or So this is the idea of going omni-channel. It's very rare today that you see a business doing well that only agrees to you know sell once a week at a pop-up event. Yeah. Right? That's not enough. And it's you can't only have a brick and mortar presence and you can't only have an e-commerce. So this idea of being multidimensional as a business is is no longer a, a nice to have, it's a must have. Yeah. And we learned that, you know, the hard way in, in COVID. Mm. And that was a huge accelerant to this adoption. Right. Yeah. So in fact. Uh, I'll give you some examples. So, you know, we work with luxury retail groups uh, because they stopped having customers come in. There's no more footfall. How do we get up and run very quickly? They turn to us. We have e-commerce stores. Actually, 50% of our power merchants already do e-commerce, but they need a complementary solution to cater to all the WhatsApp inbound type of, yeah. of engagement. So uh, the e-commerce solution might be on their own platform. It might be having a marketplace on one of the big right. e-commerce platforms, but still they're getting WhatsApps and DMs and things like that. Right. And they want to be able to transact because maybe the footfall into their store isn't as much during the yeah. recent times. And you mentioned restaurants, F and B. Mm. So yes, you can join one of the aggregators and get customers that way, but it's going to be very costly. Mm. And so what they're learning very quickly is, well, and you, you see what's happening in the market today. If I can create a direct engagement and the ability to sell to my customer directly without a middleman, mm. that's very powerful. You know, it's more revenue to me. It's creating better loyalty between the customer and myself. I have better data, better insights as a restaurant owner. Yeah. So that was one of our fastest growing categories over the last six months is F&B, for yeah. example. Totally. Like I remember when, you know, a year ago, as everyone does, when you, you looked around uh, at retail spaces and of course we couldn't go to many and we couldn't go to F&B. Uh, and then I thought that with social media and with WhatsApp, that you can, if you build a community first that you can sell directly to, it's actually the perfect way to start a business. However, you do need to be the enablers such as the, well, obviously you need the licenses, but you need these softwares and uh, like Spoonie, uh, but I didn't know that that existed. And, you know, when you try and research this stuff, it's really hard to get your head around right. what exists, how to implement it and things like that. Uh, so it's great to know it exists. Uh, I have two questions in my head at the moment. One is uh, this has been a, Internet has been around for a long time. We've all heard of We all know PayPal and things like that. How come it hasn't been? How come we haven't been able to do this on PayPal here at the moment? Um, that's mainly because. For PayPal to operate, it needs to, uh, there's two sides of it. One is the consumer having a wallet, which is attached to a, like a PayPal account with their yeah. card details saved. And two is the merchant. And the merchant has to be, has to have a merchant account with PayPal. 
to have a merchant account with PayPal. PayPal has to be set up in your in your jurisdiction with the right licensing. Okay. And you know, so, <laughs> so yeah, so so you, you we have one side of the equation, but PayPal doesn't operate in every jurisdiction, yeah. believe it or not. And for different reasons, sometimes you know it's just uh, there's there's 180 countries I think that they could go after. Right. I don't they think they do have dirham, do they? They just have dollar or something. Correct. Yeah. And I, I think it might be changing now. And I've mm -hmm. heard that they, they've come back or they are coming back. Uh, so we may see that change. But that's one of the reasons. And with your software, people just need their own banking cards. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what about, Rami, what about the fees and things like that? Uh, is there a fees for the buyer? Uh, or is it just on the seller side? No, it's just on the seller side. And in fact... To be true to our mission, you know, what we're here to do is enable small businesses to thrive online. Yeah. And we want to help them start, run, and grow their business. Uh, we allow them to accept payments, create invoices, build a store, and a lot more on top about mm. saving your customer. We don't charge for any of that. It's free to set up. There's no monthly fees. There's no tr per transaction fees. There's no no real hidden fees mm. like you might find a lot of uh, a lot of the time in some of the payment gateways and you can get up and running at zero cost there is no risk the only time we charge is we charge the seller 3.5 percent per transaction a successful transaction which is in which includes the processing fees involved so of the card and of the card we don't charge the customer anything and so if you think about that, the value and the convenience you're getting out of this is it's, it's a no brainer for mm -hmm. the business owner because it provides, um, you know, sometimes a, a bank will advertise a rate, you know, they're like you can get processing for 2.75%. Yeah. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to charge you per transaction. Oh, did you want these to be secure transactions and safe? People like we have to charge you for fraud protection. Yeah. And then you have your monthly bill as well. And then, oh, you want it to process in that currency, it's going to cost extra. <laughs> so you don't really have clear visibility as a business owner. How much are these transactions really costing me? Mm. And it's hard to model and forecast. And yeah. So we, we do a, a flat percentage so that you can model, you know exactly what this is costing you and you, you know what's going on, where the money is. Mm. So um, we couldn't make it more fair than that. And what the beauty of this model, as uh, uh, non-commercial as, uh, as it is, we only benefit, right? So we, we would only benefit from a transaction if you are. If you're dormant and you're not selling anything. There's no fees. We don't charge you. Yeah, right? So we yeah. don't make any money. And yeah. we're not incentivized to sign up as many people as possible who are doing nothing. You you're, you get incentivized and rewarded if they're doing well on your platform. So it's an, so we're aligned with our merchants in that sense. Very we good. want to ensure that the tools are working for them. Yeah, and that they're doing the best possible job and having the best possible success with the platform. Interesting. Yeah. So Rami, talk about you know enabling small businesses to succeed. I think that's a great mission. I think it's amazing. Two questions: How hard was it for small businesses in, in your experience in the UAE during the pandemic, and what does that look like in the other markets that you're looking like? Is there appetite? Is there digital appetite to sell online? And you know, are you seeing kind of enthusiasm for people to embrace these new technologies? Certainly. You know, um, a few years ago, we were 
encountering a situation where we were slow, slower than other regions to adopt cashless, right? Clearly. I mean, it was growing at a rate of, let's call it just around in the double digits, but it was still behind the curve. And I mean, a year ago, let's talk about one year ago, mm. were you using Apple Pay or any sort of tap to pay? Yeah, it was sometimes, yeah. yeah. But it wasn't as common when we right. got to the place, yeah. So that inflection yeah. was so uh, extreme. Like we adopted these new tools so quickly. Yeah. Um, and what that signals to us is, okay, well, you have this event like COVID and it's changed people's thinking, right? Cash going into this was still preferred because control my money and I can see where I'm spending. And if I have a, use my card, I, I lose track of things. But in reality, the, the benefits of using card outweigh cash astronomically. Why? Because uh, I can also now, if, if as a merchant who was reliant on cash, uh, do I really have full visibility on which customer paid and when? And if I need to refund them, how am I supposed to do that? Mm. Right, like it's very difficult to to run business processes around cash. Mm. So think about e-commerce and cash on delivery. Right, how commonplace that was just two years ago. Mm. Right, and you could go order, and it induced bad behavior actually. And what you would see is a consumer sitting at home ordering an electronic device from three e-commerce players. <laughs> Right. Sue gets her faster, tons of the rest. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. And that's not, that's not helping anyone. No. Right. So when you tell these people now, no, you're, you can use your car to, so had there, had these e-commerce companies like unionized at yeah. some point and said, look, we're just not going to do this anymore because it's killing us. Uh, you could have stopped it earlier, but it looks like it's resolved itself now and people want to pay by card. Yeah. Which is good for everybody. Um, so I think that t that window is going to keep growing. I think the the banking infrastructure that is not hasn't been designed to allow for the velocity of onboarding required. That's where where someone like us, you know, can really help move the needle for yeah. for a market. And I think there's if you look at the total number of merchants out there today, you touched on something interesting. You're like you can start your business on Instagram, and and that. That's true, right? Mm -hmm. Literally, you can start a business on Instagram. Like the barrier to entry to start a business today really has reduced to almost yeah. zero. Like you don't have to do anything. You just set up an Instagram account and take a few photos and yeah. you're done. Real or fake, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's induced so many new businesses to come on. And it's like the number of businesses that will go online in the next five years is much greater than the ones who are already online. Mm. And that's the opportunity. And that's the, the what we see. Yeah, so to talk about that opportunity, you're kind of playing into the ecosystem uh, and you're part of the ecosystem now in terms of payments. Uh, and you, 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 I mentioned you raised funds. Was that uh, was that a, a seed or a Series A? Yeah, that's a Series A. We okay. just closed it recently. Okay. Like a $5 million Series A. Uh, we found um, investment through uh, a group out of London. And what was funny about that is we had, although we're based here, uh, 
we found that the concepts we're talking about here in this conversation are a bit radical <laughs> to some of the the local investors mm. okay. and we had a few with us along the way but uh what we're doing is is not a cut and paste type situation where we're going to copy this model we saw elsewhere and just do it like that we're pioneering a few things and kind of adapting to to our own market which yeah. is scary for some local investors who haven't done that before mm. right they they like to go Hey, yeah, we we want to copy that blueprint we saw. Just yeah, you know, we'll invest in something. Yeah, <laughs> but if you're gonna do something new, that's scary. You know, yeah. we don't. So this group out of London really found what we were doing. They got it. You know, like that makes perfect sense to us, and that's a huge opportunity. No brainer. Let's go for it. Interesting. Um, now it just so happened that when we were starting our Series A funding, it was the roadshow, if you will, it was starting January 2020, pre-COVID. Mm. So you know, smooth sailing and halfway through our, not even halfway, like within two months of our funding, we have to go fully virtual. You're in lockdown. You can't meet investors anymore. You have to do it over zoom. And then you have to articulate all this stuff and get through all the numbers. And, and at that point it became interesting because it was, we're trying to fundraise going into an unknown world. Mm. If you remember in the early days of COVID, it was like, is everything doomed yeah, or definitely. you know yeah. what's going on and are we wait is this good for Spoonie yeah. or is this what? do you have to pivot do you have to change your deck <laughs> right. is the valuation still correct <laughs> and in the middle of these conversations you could see that our numbers the data spoke for itself really your product was live and you already had much on board right. so you, you're kind of past as you said 2017 see you got things going and in many ways it was the perfect timing I mean, fortunately, yeah, we we were fortunate to be on the right side of that polarization of yeah. COVID. And although it's you know fortunate for us as a as a business, um, our concern was mostly around the merchants themselves, because a lot of them were disrupted, and a lot of them can't necessarily just act like nothing happened, and their supply chains are disrupted, and their sales, and they can't sell it, you know, so. Uh, what we saw was initially a, a downturn, you could say, in activity on the platform. But within two weeks of lockdown, we had eclipsed all of our previous numbers and just grown so so much in such a short period. Yeah. And we felt a responsibility at that time. Like, these businesses need to run in order to survive, in order to put food on the table, in order to pay for their kids' schools, etc. Yeah. And so to be there for them, you know that's a huge responsibility and something we we don't take lightly mm. so we're, we're fortunate to be able to help uh, those In, interesting so a, a lot of what you're talking about is kind of taking opportunity uh availing of the opportunity that's there now and of course we don't think that whatsapp or instagram is going anywhere in the next decade or longer so it's a great uh roadmap that you have ahead how did you choose to use those funds or what was the plan i know you hired senior talent like CMOs and, and things like that. So it's a really good position to be in. Did you enter into new markets at that time? And what's the kind of roadmap uh, at the moment for Zoom? Sure. Yeah. So as you said, uh, a company is really is only as good as its people and its talent. So we converted some of that capital into human capital uh, so that we could bring on the talent needed to, to really drive this going forward. Yeah. Uh, so we brought in some uh, new team members. Uh, in addition to that, 
uh, we're investing mostly in product. And the product today serves certain needs. And as businesses use the platform, their needs also evolve. And so we have to respond accordingly. And the product needs to continue to evolve just as these businesses do. Mm. Uh, it also involves expanding into adjacent markets or different territories. So mm. you have uh, you know, the, the, a major opportunity in Saudi, which we're now highly focused on, um, because that's, that's not, um, and that's not an easy market to penetrate. And it has its own nuances and lots of things. So we're putting a lot of attention to that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, interesting. So that, that's the kind of a big market for you. And But you're still focused on the Arab region. You're still focused on enabling those businesses and those people who want to kind of uh, uh, embrace the digital world and, and make things faster. I know we're running out of time, uh, Rami, but I just wanted to kind of touch on something adjacent sure. in terms of the industry and the ecosystem and, and beyond uh, you know, the future banking, fintech, and especially uh, cryptocurrencies, token economies, a lot of buzzwords there, but what's your kind of view uh, with regards to your own business? And what, what do you kind of, what are you looking at? And what do you think will impact what Smoonie's doing? That's a tough question you're asking. I mean, we, we have these internal debates, like do, what does payments look like in five years from now, mm -hmm. or even three years from now? Because everything's changing so rapidly. Um, we are looking at the concept of digital assets and what that, how that plays into our ecosystem, hmm. right? Uh, it certainly adds a lot of value. I mean, there, it solves a lot of problems, so it's not something we can ignore. Uh, but we want to also be pragmatic, and there's a lot of buzzwords going on, but sure. there's also a lot of need to validate how these things uh, are in terms of an adoption process. Your average small business owner, if they didn't understand how regular payments work, are they going to understand how crypto works? Or so, so uh, I think we need to be realistic, but as the market evolves, we'll, we would be ready and we're not, we wouldn't discount any anything and things we haven't even thought of today. Yeah. Right, so that's our job is to pay attention to those. But if there was one area, you know, if we look at if we look at media and people say AI or mixed reality, if there's one area that Spoonie's looking at in fintech, which area would it be? I mean, look, we're really focused on selling okay. and helping merchants sell. Yeah. And that evolves, yeah. right? So one thing we're doing is next week launching uh, QR code payments. Ah, okay. So, um, you know, we see a lot of merchants meeting with their customers face to face. So when they go to outdoor markets or fairs, et cetera, the customers face to face with the merchant and mm. they need an easy way to check out. Mm. So we're introducing that. So it's about sticking to our premise of our promise of yeah. enabling these merchants to thrive online. Okay. Uh, so whatever that, that looks like, uh, we'll do. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, just to wrap up then, uh, we always ask this question in terms of the Middle East as an emerging market. And I know we've alluded to it before and you clearly focused on the region. Um, being in the UAE, you have a lot of adopters from merchants here and Saudi Arabia. Uh, these two economies are, are quite large and quite big and they're part of the Gulf. But do you think uh, they're way ahead uh, than the rest of the GCC, the Levant and North Africa? Um, and what do you think needs to happen? Or what would be uh, reasons for you entering into those markets as well? And uh, yeah, are you kind of optimistic long-term for, for this region? I, I am, especially from a tech, 
tech standpoint, because I think so much can be resolved through technology. And I think it's one of the only avenues to really make an impact today. So uh, I think I wouldn't say one market is any much further ahead than the other. I think everyone's kind of gotten the same page in terms of going cashless, contactless. Yeah. And that window is the next few years. Okay. So um, I can't you know, tell you more than that in terms yeah. of what's going on, you know, how things are going to work. But our, our foresight gives us about two years of estimations. That's, okay. that's all I have. What scares you, Rami? What, what do you threaten by? What, what do you, what do you fear? I fear that we don't, um, fulfill our full potential of what we can offer. And we fall short in delivering our promises to our, our merchants. That's okay. that's basically it. So you really, really focus on Zbuni and making the best out of that force. Yeah. Good note to finish on. Thanks yeah. for your time this yeah. morning. I look forward to following the journey. Thank you so much. That's it for another episode of Dubai Works. Thank you so much for listening. And please leave a review on the podcast platform that you're listening to. It really helps with organic searches. Also, if you'd like to appear on Dubai Works or know someone who has an inspiring business story in Dubai, please do get in touch on any of the smashy social platforms.